Hey guys and welcome back to the YA podcast. I'm your host Sabrina and this week we are talking Paper Towns as we are still on John Green season. So Paper Towns is a really vague book in my mind. I don't really remember particularly reading it. I know I read it but I don't remember reading it. Um, I remember the movie a lot more vividly but obviously this is a YA podcast about books and literature not about films so we're going to try and avoid the film as best we can. Obviously I know I spoke about The Fault in Our Stars cast last week but I'm going to try and avoid that this week as best I can just focus on the book because I actually made an effort to read the book and just a side note I am really sorry that I am late with this episode I had a bit of personal issues that are now taken care of and are resolved and we're back to making podcasts weekly and anyway without further ado let's head into Paper Towns. So Paper Towns is another John Green book I'm pretty sure it came before The Fault in Our Stars did in terms of chronology is that how you say it that word yeah um, and it's essentially very similar t- to The Fault in Our Stars in terms of it's about teenagers and that sort of lifestyle and that sort of theme. So, Paper Towns is a- about mo- mainly two characters. We have two protagonists, I guess you could say. There's Margot Roth Spielman. Spielman? Spiegelman? I'm not sure how you pronounce her. Spiegelman. Spielman. Yeah, her. Um, and there's Quentin Jacobson. So these two have grown up next to each other, they're next door neighbours, um, and essentially the whole premise of the book is that one day Margot goes missing from school and she does it quite a lot. It's it's a normal thing for Margot, it's nothing to be too worried about, and essentially life just goes on without her, but Quentin isn't convinced that that needs to be the case, and so he goes on this massive big journey, essentially the whole entire book, to find out what happened to her and to track her down which spoiler alert he does in the end so I'm going to do a bit of a different layout to the podcast this week I wanted to change up a little bit so first of all I wanted to look at individual characters then delve a bit more into the plot and then look at how I perceive it now as an adult um, and just so you know you can keep up with the conversation for the YA podcast through Twitter using the hashtag YA pod that's Y-A and then pod um, and you can also send us emails at collab YA pod at gmail.com that's collab at collab YA pod at gmail.com so um, let's talk about Margot first of all so Margot is this character She's a bit of a queen bee, Um, she's the popular girl in school and she's apparently, well according to Quentin, so the whole thing is done through Quentin's perspective which is very biased in my opinion just because we don't really get the narrative of anybody else and so essentially Quentin has been obsessed with Margot for a very long time to put it mildly, Um, he thinks she can do no wrong, she's the prettiest person in the whole entire school, that sort of thing, You, you get my drift. And essentially he's obsessed with her. They live next door to each other. They're now a lot older. They're now in their last year of high school. Um, about to go to college. Um, and she's never really spoken to him since they were very, very young. And also a, pre- a premise to that. When they were very, very young, 
they found this dead body and I'm really going off topic and I'm talking about Margot as a person okay so back to Margot so Margot is this popular girl she's um really attractive according to Quentin's um analysis of her but she's quite aloof and she doesn't really seem to be all that invested in the world around her she mentions that the world that she lives in is a paper town um meaning it's quite like fickle and shallow and everything's fake essentially um then we have quentin quentin J- quentin jacobson so he is our main male protagonist he is a high schooler just like margot um a little bit obsessed with margot he has two other really good friends who we'll mention later on um and essentially his main character device is just that he's obsessed with Margot and also a tiny bit obsessed with perfection and order and you sort of see that throughout the book with little things that happen and he wants everything to go a certain way I would I would say that he's very self-centered um in terms of just his character and personality in general you can argue that you don't think he is but I personally think he quite was when I reread the book then we have Ben Ben is Quentin's best friend um Ben is very how do I put this? Ben is very big for his boots. He likes to talk the talk. He's really cocky. He's such a cocky person. He uses this phrase that I which I hate. I hate it throughout the whole entire book. Um, to describe girls, he calls girls honey bunnies, which is just super cringy. And I get yes, they're in high school, but it just felt really derogatory, derogatory, and really demeaning especially for someone who was so old about to go to college like I get that some boys can be like that but it was just it felt a bit dated and a bit you know over with and done for um so that's Ben Ben also ends up actually dating one of Margot's um ex-best friends name is Lacey um Lacey's also a main character more towards the middle and the end of the story um we see her a lot more she actually begins to help the boys um figure out where Margot is in the country and they all go on a road trip together at the end that that's Lacey um then you have Jace Jace is Margot's at the beginning Margot's boyfriend of the book and then towards the end they split up and he's no longer with her but that's Jace um he also was cheating on Margot with another one of her friends I forget the friend's name but with someone else um in their friendship circle and then you have Radar um so Radar is in my opinion probably the smartest person in this whole entire book um he is I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm pretty sure it's either yeah no so yeah yeah um smartest person the whole entire book he's really amazing um he created this system which is a bit like wikipedia but for um their school so they can use it to look up different things it's basically like a giant theosaurus and radar create created it and runs it all on its own he updates it every day it's his biggest obsession he also has a girlfriend and her name is angela and those are our main sort of characters side characters you've got quentin's parents who are both therapists you have margot's parents who um are very aloof and uncaring about Margot being missing in general. You have Margot's younger sister Ruthie, um, and you have a few other cast members who aren't really as important as these main four people, five people if you if you include Angela and exclude Jace. So um, a bit more about the plot. 
um, so reading this back, it actually, I actually read this over two days because I was super busy and I just didn't have the time to sort of get through it properly. So I block read it in about two days. Um, the whole book itself is split into three parts and then there's like a final part which is just to do with them heading out to see Margot and to try and find her. So throughout the book you have the first part which essentially revolves around um, Margot's enacting revenge. So she, found, she finds out that her boyfriend has been cheating on her and as a result she enlists Quentin in this midnight joyride around where they live in Florida and they go and pick up all these different things and they basically pay people back for what they've done so um they blackmail Jace with a picture of him running from I think her name is Becca running from Becca's house the girl who he cheated on with um they tell Becca's parents that Becca is sleeping with Jace um with and there's another boy who is a bully and they shave his one of his eyebrows off um there's they put fish outside becca's door i think in her house and they do quite another few things they also break into quite a few places sorry i'm a bit tired <laughs> they also break into quite a few places um so they break into sea world and they break into like an observatory um with like a nice sunroof and they sort of look over at um sort of the chaos that they've created over across this night and eventually they they go home and what happens is it ends up being that the next day instead of Quentin seeing Margot at school like he thought he would she disappears which like I mentioned before isn't unlike Margot so no one's really worried about her going missing until it's been a few weeks and then people start to worry but not too much in fact Margot's parents even go as far as to change the locks on their house claiming that they're tired of her constantly running away as previously she has run away for a few days and then always returned home but this time she hasn't but whenever she does run away she likes to leave clues as to where she has been so for example when she ran away to Mississippi she um, left some letters in a bowl of alphabet soup which was meant to indicate that she was in Mississippi um, and her parents are tired of this she's 18 just legally an adult and so she's gone and Quentin doesn't really like this he is essentially in love with Margot throughout this whole entire story he idolizes her he worships her and as a result he feels it's his duty to abandon all sense of rational behavior and spend months maybe a month in total trying to figure out all of these clues surrounding where she might have gone despite nobody else really caring her being a legal adult and she can do what she wants um and in fact Quentin and Margot didn't even really get along when they were older so it's literally just this figment of Quentin's imag imagination that he has to find Margot and in fact another spoiler alert when he does find her he shouldn't even want to be found she's mad because she says why have you come and found me I wanted to be gone I didn't want to you know for you to find me which I don't believe is true because she's left all these clues leading to this point if she didn't want anyone to find her she wouldn't have left any clues at all but she left all these clues so that just proves to me that really she wanted to be found she's a bit self-centered a bit egotistical 
to be honest in all in all her and Quentin are perfect for each other Quentin's obsessed with Margot Margot's obsessed with herself it really works out for the best <laughs> um so in terms of the book itself that's like the main the main plot but um I want to delve a bit more into Quentin's character in general because um he's quite an interesting character um throughout the book he's really obsessed with Margot and finding her but he also is really dismissive of his friends and their personal lives and the things that they're doing. For example, Radar has a girlfriend throughout the entirety of the book. And I think Quentin, being Radar's best friend, only asks about her within a few occasions. And even one time it's actually through being physically having to be prompted by Radar to be, you know, actually, don't forget, I've got this girlfriend and you never even ask about her which I think is really self-centered and obviously it's quite funny as well because when reading this book I don't imagine the characters to be the age that they are to be 17 and 18 I don't see it as that because some of the attributes and some of the characteristics of these characters are so childish and so self-obsessed that it just seems so strange that they are this age and maybe it's because they are quote-unquote loners and quote-unquote band geeks but um it's just strange how they seem a lot younger than they actually are which I think is really interesting so I actually wanted to talk a little bit more about the themes in this particular book because so in in Paper Towns this is Paper Towns in The Fault in Our Stars I didn't really talk about themes um but obviously coming of age is a really big theme in YA novels um and in um The Fault in Our Stars and Paper Towns John Green has this re reoccurring theme of coming of age um and also in a way um road trips or journeys as a vessel for that coming of age process so for example in um The Fault in Our Stars Gus and Hazel they go away to Amsterdam and even though it's not particularly coming um, of age because they are much older than their peers in um, paper towns they do also get to go away and travel for that first time and have the experience of being adults and in um, paper towns I'd say it's the same thing um, Quentin at Quentin, Radar, Ben and Lacey end up going on this journey to find Margot and they travel about 21 hours I think is in total and through this journey they um, even though it's not really discussed particularly there's no big there's no real big realizations which they come to um, they do in fact become closer I would say as a friendship group and as a unit um, and they go through quite a lot each of them take turns to drive that kind of thing um, and also as well obviously Margot has her own um, coming of age journey she travels alone she's gonna head to I think it's to New York um, and she's gonna live out her life there on her own another spoiler alert she goes to be in New York um, but Quen and she actually in the end asks Quentin to come with her but he can't do it he can't go he can't leave his life behind in Florida um, so the book essentially ends with them parting ways and Margot goes on her way and they and he goes on his. Um, so that's definitely coming of age and that's definitely um, a big theme because 
Quentin held on to this image that he had of Margot in his head for so long and in the end he had to let it go and he realised that she was just a girl and I think at one point in the novel he actually says he realises that she is just a girl and I think that is such a big thing for, for a coming of age novel to realise that you can't idolise someone um, who is going through um, a similar thing that you are um, you can't put them on a pedestal, a pedestal because you're only going to end up getting hurt yourself and that's what happens when Quentin thinks that he's come to save Margot in fact he hasn't because she says like you know I don't need this night this night coming to save me this is what you wanted isn't it you wanted to come and save me and to do what to get him to get in my pants or whatever which is evidently probably what Quentin thought was going to happen because he had this romanticized idea of Margot in his head and the way that he viewed her and the way that he perceived her to be was not in fact the way that she was actually in a person I think that's a really interesting part of growing up on this whole YA um YA novel genre is about seeing things as they are and letting go of that imagery you have or something when you're a child and the imagery you have or something now that you're an adult and I think that's really interesting yeah so actually also I want to talk a little bit more about um the character of Radar because I think he's a really interesting character um in fact um so in the book um you have the three best friends so you have Ben whose surname is Starling you have Quentin whose surname is Jacobson and then you have it Jacobson yeah I'm pretty sure it's Jacobson um and then you have Radar who actually doesn't have a um a last name which I think is really interesting um especially him being I'm pretty sure um the only like person of color I'm pretty sure in this in this book correct me if I'm wrong um but yeah so I think it's quite interesting that he hasn't got a last name he's never given a last name and also he's referred to constantly by this nickname Radar and his actual name is um Marcus I had to look that up I didn't even know it um <laughs> Um, and he's a really strong character I quite like his character he's really strong he voices his opinions a lot he kind of almost keeps Quentin and Ben in check because they're two they're two very volatile people for example Quentin is so obsessed with Margot that's all he can sort of see and he has that kind of tunnel vision when it comes to her whereas Ben is very much not caring about Margot because in his mind Margot doesn't care about Quentin or any of that or any or, or any of them so why should they care about her and I think it's quite a point of eruption for these two characters and Radar is always there to sort of bridge that gap and create that balance and I think there's a really crucial point in the book where um Ben um Ben um informs Quentin that actually he's going to be going to prom and originally they weren't going to go but um, he informs him he's going to go to prom and on that same night Quentin actually wanted to follow up a lead to do with Mogga being missing and Ben tells him no actually I'm going to prom with Lacey and this is what I want to do and this is what I've chosen to do um, and um, Quentin logs on to IM and begins to message Radar and says oh what's up with Ben he's being really annoying or whatever and at this point Radar shuts him down straight away which I think is really really crucial and I'm sort of sad that we don't see Radar's character developed 
past the point of being this buffer for these two other boys we know that he has a girlfriend we know that he's really smart but that's all we get to know we don't get to know the intricacies of him as a person whereas we get to see a bit a little bit about Ben we get to see that Ben has developed this relationship with this girl Lacey we get to see that Ben is becoming slightly popular when he goes to this party but with Radar his relationship with Angela his girlfriend is already formed it's already been predetermined that he's smart that he has this wikipedia like dictionary um to his name that he's developed himself um past that we don't really get to see any intricacies intricacies of his character and i'd wish that john green had made more more of an effort to um actually do that i think the one sort of thing that we do get about radar which is stands out and is mentioned quite a lot um but not but not in depth at the same time is that um, his parents are the owners of the second largest collection of black santas which is a really weird and strange thing um to own but is something that um he is defined by in his within his friendship group i feel like within the friendship group you have radar being defined by his wikipedia like um theosaurus um and the black santa situation um and then you have ben being defined by his need to sleep with girls or hook up with girls or just be with girls and then you have quentin in the middle of it being defined by his consuming adoration of margot which is really strange and i am wish that um they had developed radar character a bit more radar is only really invested in margot's disappearance because he wants to find out what happened he's really interested in puzzles and interested in figuring out everything behind it and that's what really pushes him forward he's not pushed forward um by quentin like like quentin as his love for margot um, instead he's pushed forward by his own curiosity and I think that's really interesting and it's a shame that we didn't get to hear more about Radar and Radar's story um, um, and I quite like him as a character but to be honest um, there's not really much else to this book if I'm going to be honest with you it's pretty basic I know a lot of the things a lot of the instances in the book books have book have really heavy symbolism um but personally for me just reading it and I did skim read it I'm not gonna lie I skim I skim I scam I skim I scum I don't know the the correct tense for that but I skim read the whole entire book in the space of about two days um and because I don't really remember it as a as a young person as a kid I didn't have a reference to go on. It wasn't like The Fault in Our Stars where I really knew what I was talking about and I was going to be strong in what I was saying. It was more just a case of this is a a book about a missing girl who is egotistical and a boy who is also egotistical um, and that's it. And maybe John Green has more to say on it. To be honest, I should, I should probably try and find some more literature about these books before I go into talking about them on this podcast for 20 minutes. But here we are, and at the end of the day, this is the way I'm going to perceive it. And um, if anyone else has any comments or any questions on this book, uh, please let me know because I read it as a I read it surface level. I didn't really delve too deep. Um, 
it was just something that you guys voted for for me to talk about this week so I talked so I spoke about it this week um it was never my favorite John Green book it was I probably wasn't even in my top two favorite John Green books um but I have read it and so it deserves a place in this podcast just like every other book that we talk about across this podcast was a place on this podcast um and essentially that is so um I will see you guys next week hopefully with any luck next week will be our final John Green book I think I'm gonna do an an abundance of Catherine's because I feel like I did enjoy it when I read it um and then the week after that so in two weeks time we're going to start talking about Twilight I'm really excited for this like I think it's going to be hilarious um I've got some people on board some people who are going to be on the podcast with me in two weeks so that's great we can finally start getting into the controversial topics the big discussions and I'm really excited to have that and also I just want to say thank you to all you guys who've been listening so far thank you for your support for your words for your suggestions for your input um this podcast like I always say isn't just for me it's for all of us and for all of us to be able to have something that we are proud of for all of us to be able to have something that we have contributed to and just to have a record of the books that we read when we were younger um so yeah I will see you guys next week and don't forget if you have any anything to say in the podcast um use the hashtag YAPod on Twitter or you can email collabyapod at gmail.com I've been Sabrina bye guys